Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. All right, welcome back to the Survival and Basic Fat-Ass Podcast, Kevin and Chuck. Today, we're going to talk about psychological warfare. Um, you know, propaganda, basically. Basically, uh, I don't know. I mean, in your mind, you're kind of thinking, well, what does that have to do with prepping and, and whatever? But I think you need to be aware of what's happening with what's going on around you, how you're being influenced. And I'm not saying I'm going to expose stuff. We're just going to talk about things people have done in the past and things like that. But it kind of gives you insight into when you're being manipulated or how you might be played against your will. You know, you always see the, uh, what is that movie? Uh, Four brothers, I think where the cop kept being like, I have a hair or something. It's like, I got a hair sample. Uh And you know what? He's like, see, I have evidence and basically would manipulate people into, Oh, well, I should just confess. I think they all just laughed at him all the time, but you know, it was always like, yeah, the truth is, that, yeah, the truth is, if, yeah. if you ever find yourself being interrogated by a police officer, you're going to witness some of the best psychological tactics to, uh, you know, to put you in a right. off foot, off kilter, off foot, and off balance. You know, and uh, they, the the exactly. interviewers, the police officers that are are interviewers or interrogators, are some of the best at this type of psychological warfare. Exactly. So. 
you know, just something to kind of be aware of, you know, that, you know, they're always, oh, well, your partner already confessed and, and they said that you did it. So, you know, why don't you just tell me that they did it? You know, I don't know how these people haven't watched all the shows on TV, but I know you didn't mean right. to kill them. I know it was accidental, but you know, just tell me what would actually happen. Right. I mean, I probably would have done the same thing in your situation. Cause that would make me mad if they keep freaking, you know, picking at the food on their plate like that. I could see why that would make you mad. You got to stab them in the eye with a fork, you know? I mean, that's your, your moral duty. You didn't have any other option. Yeah. Just sign this paper that, that that's what you did. And, and we can just get over with this and we'll both go home and you know, whatever. Yeah. Your new home's going to be in the back here, but you know, we'll both go home. Um, You know, just something to be aware of. Anyway, I mean, it, it is all about manipulation. Now, one of the most important things, I think, with psychological warfare propaganda is to have it based in truth. If you want it to be believable, as many facts, you know, to for me to say, oh, you know, Kevin Scott, you know, I don't know, he likes to dress up in pink tutus and and wear, you know, purple wigs when he goes out in town, you might find that a little far-fetched. But if I was like, he likes to wear a pink tutu with Rob Zombie printed across the back, you'd be like, yeah, I could see Kevin doing that. You know, and... In his living room, not uh, when he's out, you know, because they, you know... Yeah, there's some stuff you have to to buy. It's it's believable that I wear pink tutus in my house, because I do. You know, nobody's going to confuse that. Right. you know, people see me out in town, know that I'm wearing purple tutus and they know that you're full of shit. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Just be like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Psychological warfare. You know, it's, it's one of those things that, that, um, like Chuck said, it has to be, it has to be founded with some sort of, uh, legitimacy. You know what I mean? You take, you have to take, and then, you know, then turn it into a straw man type of argument, you know, where this please, believes in a in a in a specific idea so that means if you carry it out all the way out this person believes in in you know crazy stuff and you can you can kind of uh that that idea um onto the battlefield when it comes to uh when it comes to your opponent you know and the real the real advantage of psychological warfare is to um lower the morale of your opponent and to you know, themselves is already having lost. And psychological warfare goes all the way back, all the way back to the beginnings of, uh, of battles. And, you know, we're used to radio stations and, and uh, pamphlets and things like that. Um, but but uh, Sun Tzu had a, had a quote that says, the supreme art of war is to su- subdue the enemy without fighting. And the idea is to have them so worried about coming into combat or coming up, up against you that they they've already defeated themselves before before the battle begins. Yeah, I mean when it's when it's a direct army, I mean lowering morale is, is huge. I mean that's definitely. So, I do have some examples of, you know, instances throughout time might kind of help shape your understanding of what we're talking about. But basically like you said, we're trying to get the, you know, to persuade the enemy to surrender. Right? That that's the goal. Um now, the first thing is understanding your target audience. 
so many times that's where it kind of falls apart. But it's one thing if you're just worried about like your fellow Americans you're trying to manipulate or a totally different country and culture. You know, with the different cultures, it's ridiculous. But then again, I mean, what do we even know? You know, with, uh, you know, if I was to mock some kind of, you know, I don't know, vegan tie-dye wearing, whatever, I, I don't know if I would know what strengths and weaknesses, you know, to play up on. But that's why you need to kind of research and understand. Um, there was that book that uh, that all the, the lefty uh, nuts used to like was the uh, – um, oh shoot, I should have wrote it down. I didn't even look it up, but the, um, what was that weather underground? They had that, that book. Uh, oh yeah. I know what you're talking about that. The, the guidelines, the weather underground, they, they really mastered that psychological warfare type of thing though. You know, a few pipe bombs and a few like kidnappings that were, you know, poorly done were used for like great effect for, you know, for their, for psychological reasons. Right. But anyway, I do have lots of good stuff here. I mean, we used to drop uh, balloon, have balloons that would float in enemy lines, and we'd have pamphlets and, mm-hmm. and you know, whatever. Um, the Germans used to do that kind of thing and actually float balloons over to us. They basically mocked, you know, the incompetency of the leaders and generals. Um, you know, the, the, you can't win. All hope is gone. Um, POWs. Right. POWs eat better than German soldiers do, or, you know, was one that we sent back the other way. Um, we ended up using that later in the Gulf War, too. Um, the Korean War, we used to, uh, the Korean War was a whole different thing because we didn't really understand. Um, but they had this guy, this general that came out and he wore these like ridiculous white boots that were just gaudy and whatever. So somehow all our propaganda was around this Mr. White Boots because he was like the chief negotiator. Whenever he came to kind of figure things out, he'd come out with these pompous, you know, shiny white boots. Right. No mud on them. Not like you guys. They're covered in mud. And, and that's it. That and they would be like, that was that was one of the things we were able to actually connect with was a lot of the Korean soldiers had no boots at all, were actually barefoot. And, you know, and this guy's got these pompous, arrogant, you know, and, and that kind of thing, you know, just ends up, you know, leaving a bad taste. Um, we tried uh, one of the things that actually worked for us with the Germans was we kind of dropped surrender tickets. Mm-hmm. And what they would be is it would like tell you how to safely surrender right. and not get shot and, you know, the things you should do. And believe it or not, that ended up working out so good that they were actually making sure they didn't have anything white on them when they sent them out to war because they were afraid they would, they would be use so that quick as to, white flag. you know, surrender. Now, in America, you know, our propaganda, we always know that, you know, Americans, we have pride and and stuff like that. But one of the things with the Japanese, we tried doing the same thing. We were like, hey, you know, that those surrender tickets work so well with the Germans. 
let's do it with the Japanese. And what ended up happening, you know, you guys know the Japanese and, and the samurai and all that stuff. Right, the surrender thing is not right. Not the the market you want to cash in on. And that, you know, ends up being ridiculous. So you don't want to go down that road. Um, but we actually talked to uh, the people in our, our prison camps. Remember, we we had the internment right. camps, right, for the Japanese. For the U.S. I, I probably offended some people Japanese. saying prison camps. Yeah. But they, you know. they weren't allowed to um, leave. So what else are you going to call it? Right. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, the uh, what they told us was you need to play on the loyalty and say that, you know, the honorable thing is to, to you know, give up because you're fighting for the wrong cause. Right. And to kind of reshape the narrative. And then, you know, then you have a better approach. So it's really about understanding, you know, who your uh, your people are. Uh, you had some stuff on Panama in the 80s. I guess it was 89. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they always say the blasting of the rock music. What was Twisted Sister? Yeah. That- now, Panama and the United States have, have a, a long history. Um, you know, it was the, the United States Corps of Engineers that built the Panama Canal. But originally, originally that canal was in the... Uh, uh, was was in the um, in the borders of Colombia, uh, but was what was happening at the time, which was about 1904. What was happening at that time was that <clears throat> uh, was that Colombia wanted more money and more more uh, uh, benefits than what the United States is willing to to pay. But there's also contention in the country about who the legitimate government was, and so the United States packed the, uh, back the the Pan- Panama. Uh, Panamanians, and they were able to separate and divide their country into two. So Panama used to be part of Colombia. And this is under Theodore Roosevelt. And he was really the first uh, the first president that that tried to use um, legitimacy and the wealth of the United States to influence other countries. And he was able to do that masterfully in South America and in Central America. And um, <clears throat> so, uh, so there were several presidents of Panama and and the most recent one was uh, was a uh, well uh, in in 1980 81 um, Omar uh, Torres. So so President Omar had relations with the United States, and we were coming up to the uh, the passing of the Panama Canal from from United States uh, ownership or leasing back to the Panamanians, and he was able to negotiate with the United States in a way that uh, the Panamanians were able to take control of the canal that was in their borders. Um, but he had some, some, some questionable ties with other countries that were not the United States that the United States wasn't happy with. And there's no direct evidence that the CIA planted a bomb on his plane that blew up and killed him. No direct that happened, but a bomb was on his plane and it blew up. Um, now after that, Manuel Noriega took, took, uh, control of the country. Now he didn't take control by being the president. He was he was kind of a the smarter guy there. He was a general and he controlled the country, but he he chose who the Panamanians were going to elect to president for for several years. He was in control of this, but he also found that he could make we're a lot right, more money it, so we're good. than than just his basic income by yeah, uh, by by racketeering with uh, the companies that were in the country. But 
he soon realized that there is he had a limited income if he was going to just focus on Panama. And he began to export uh, or facilitate the exportation of drugs from Colombia into the United States. Massive amounts of cocaine. And he was making a lot of money. He made a lot of money, millions, hundreds and millions, hundreds of millions of dollars doing that. So the United States uh, objected to this and they asked him to step down. He did not step down. He did not get blown up accidentally uh, in a plane at any point. I don't, I'm not sure why that didn't happen because that seems like CIA's favorite go-to. So the United States invade uh, Panama in 1989, right? And uh, right. they quickly defeated the Panamanian forces mostly because the the people of Panama that have been, you know, being uh uh being beat down by Manuel Noriega were all in favor of not having this same shitty government that where people weren't really elected. You know, people were but what you voted for didn't really matter. So uh, so they were actually happy when the United States came in, the the citizens of Panama. Um so Manuel Noriega escaped and ended up hiding out in the Vatican's embassy in Panama. He was completely surrounded by U.S. forces, and the U.S. forces were not willing to go into the Vatican embassy. So what they did was set up speakers all the way around the embassy. And the United States used their their greatest, most powerful resource to defeat Manuel Noriega, and it was rock and roll. That is America's number one commodity, right? Right. That's that's number uh, one. Thing. I think we're slipping in that. We used to be. We used to be the number one uh, rock. Uh, I don't know. Um, well, we had D. Snyder, though, right? I mean, if you have D. Snyder, you know, some of you youngins might know him from the House of Hair, and the rest of us, you know, just know we want to rock, right? What was that terrifying um, movie he d- wrote and directed? Oh, uh, it was awesome. D. Snyder's Strange Land. Strangeland. Talk about propaganda. He made that movie to scare people into not like giving out your information on the internet and, you know, being abducted. It was actually to help little girls from bad things, Mm -hmm. but you know, who knows? Um, We all have different approaches. Now I actually heard, like they say, you know, that we basically made Noriega yield to our will by, you know, just using twisted sister to bring him down. But I did hear, that a lot of that was actually those loudspeakers made it possible for our operatives to actually infiltrate and kind of negotiate with people on the ground and, you know, kind of broker some right. deals by while that was going on. Yeah, by isolating Noriega and, and being able to work with the rest of the government at the same time. Right. I mean, it's, you know, you don't always know the whole picture and that's kind of the beauty. You know, it's the image that you paint. I mean, just coming back to America and telling everybody, yeah, we use Twisted Sister to bring down that psycho. Americans are like, hell yeah, yeah, you know, America. Yeah. You know, it's great. One of the other great ones that I really liked was the BBC during World War II would offer helpful English phrases to Germans. Okay. And they would teach them because when they were occupying France, you know, they would get the BBC and they would be like, all right, here's how you say it in German. This is something you might want to, you know, learn the English words. And they would use nice phrases like, help, I'm burning alive. Oh, nice. Might I love it. something you want to learn, right? I've never heard or, that before. That's good. My ship is sinking. Please <laughs> save me. 
they had all these fun phrases they could, you know, learn and might need to be implemented a little bit later. Right. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, they also, they, they did some stupid things. Like they said that, uh, the Japanese actually drew these, uh, little cartoon pictures and they ended up their downfall, believe it or not, was that they ended up being too lifelike and realistic. And I'll tell you why. So what would happen is it would have a picture of like a Jewish guy with glasses and looking like a a banker and whatever. And it would say, while you guys are out here fighting the war, the lecherous Jews are at home having sex with your women. Well, they would have these beautiful naked women with their breasts all exposed and everything in the pamphlet. And all the American soldiers were just keeping it in their breast pocket yeah. and breaking out the porn just whenever they it, wanted. Holding the, the, the they were like, hey, over and, and I, I got good porn here, you know, that, that we can hang on to. So, you know, I mean, that can actually backfire on you. So you might want to think about what you're doing. You don't want to make your porn that good. Right. Because the guys will just and be if like, you, yeah. you want to make it at least believable. You don't want to be telling, you don't want Tokyo Rose telling people that Mickey Mouse uh, and Superman are right. having sex with your wife because they're not real people and that's obviously not happening. Right. So that, that, that brings me to 1991 in the Gulf War. The Iraqis had Baghdad Betty who would, uh, who would give a radio broadcast. And she would say the same thing that you were just saying is, well, you guys are out here fighting the war. Your wives are at home sleeping with major American celebrities like Mel Gibson and Bart Simpson. Bart Simpson, fucking your wife. Yes. How does that feel? Just How's that? Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, that's the kind of thing. So right. you need to have an understanding of your opponent. If you're going to, going to, um, use psychological warfare effectively. And obviously that comes comes down to a lot of things in, in uh, combat and warfare, but it's also something that, that you should pay attention to in real life because people do try and use psychological tricks on you in your everyday life, you know, just to, just to get the upper hand on things. And um, you need to be aware when it's happening and, you know, what they're trying to accomplish. And you can really get a lot of insight if you see that that's happening to somebody you're dealing with, well, every just day, I, you can get a lot of insight. I and, think and we need to take a step back sometimes and kind of ask yourself, well, why are they saying this? What do I believe? You know, what is, what is my understanding? How is my mindset shifted? You know, I mean, we see how much that that keeps happening, you know, in modern day with, with our own stuff, but go on. Mm-hmm. Right. And we see a lot, a lot, in in everyday life with uh you know things like fox news and msnbc you know a lot of their pieces are very uh, opinionated and maybe those opinions you know uh coincide with your opinions already but maybe those opinions are you know there to uh uh to work on your mind as far as you know believing certain things about certain people and, and thinking about of them in a certain light you know we use a lot in modern politics um what there is no manipulation in politics well, well, one of the ones that I, I think is the, the best example is um, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Pumping Iron. Do you remember the movie Pumping, Pumping Iron? I love the movie Pumping Iron. And if you ever saw, if you wanted to learn how to defeat your opponent, Pumping Iron is the movie for you. Yeah. And we're not talking about by being built and muscular. 
although that is what pumping iron is about. But the lesson you can take away from that is how to defeat your opponent through propaganda and psychological warfare. And the king of psychological warfare is the governor. Right, right. Mr. Schwarzenegger, he was Mr. Olympia six times in a row. Is that right? I think it was. I don't know. A lot of times. And the uh, the film Pumping Iron came out. He was up against uh, the Incredible Hulk, Lou Ferrigno. And he just took side-by-side pictures of Lou Ferrigno and Arnold Schwarzenegger. I don't think there's a lot of question. I think our, uh, Lou Ferrigno is, was, at that point, much larger than Arnold Schwarzenegger. He was much larger, but Schwarzenegger had the chiseled defined. Right, right. But... You know, if you were to take measurements on everybody, uh, I think that Luferigno would come out on top. But that's not what wins. That's not how you win, you know, a, a, a contest of masculinity. There's a self-confidence. And by chipping away at Luferigno's self-confidence yes. leading up to the competition, Arnold Schwarzenegger was able to win. And if you watch that movie, you can see all the little sneaky tricks he did, all the games he played with Lou that, um, you know, ended up making him uh, – making him six-time Mr. Olympia. Yeah, it's really... I mean, he would have all these, like, snarky marks, he, remarks. He would be like, well, you know, you're bigger, but, you know, he just... It was nonstop. And all through that movie, he uh, he kept cutting them down. It really was pretty brutal. Um, Another guy who's got a game when it comes to, uh, well... Besides Goebbels from Nazi Germany, he had a game when it came to manipulating people. But let's talk about Vladimir Putin. Putin is a pro. Now, uh, shoot, I think it was Yale actually coined Yale University. One of the, the professors over there coined the phrase fire hosing. And, and that's really what Putin does. And later on, you'll come to know that that's what Trump did, um, where you just unleash so many lies and made up stories. You don't even have to care if they're true. You just kind of say things that when people are constantly refuting you, you it just nobody knows what to believe anymore. Because they're like, well, he's saying it, so I don't know, but they're saying no. But they say everything he says is not true. It can't all be not true. Nobody could just lie constantly. But it turns out you can just lie constantly. Um, Again, it's a form of propaganda. I mean, I think Trump knew very well what he was doing. It wasn't that maybe that he wanted to lie to the American people. It's he had a strategy and how to affect people and how to win something. And and it really came from that perspective as far as how it appears, you know, from our side of the table. Um, Putin invaded the Ukraine with a bunch of soldiers that were not wearing Russian badges. They just had these green uniforms, but they had tanks and and military weapons and all kinds of organization and, and structure. Right. And, and they move like soldiers and with training. Right. Yet when we asked him and we're like, Hey, you know, you have all these soldiers in the Ukraine. He was like, no, 
no, I don't know what you're talking about. He goes, that's just a natural uprising of the general population. And that has nothing to do with us. He denied it for like three weeks. Hey, we're not doing anything like at all. Three weeks. And then. Yeah. And they even blew up that, that right. airliner Shut and said, they, yeah. yeah, it wasn't us. Sort of and he's like, no, I don't know. Craft equipment yeah, up that's there. That's not us. That's yeah, we'd love to help out. You know, that we'll go in and clean that up. Don't even worry about it. And uh, yeah. yeah, we just want to help. We just want to save lives. And then, so you have that kind of thing going on. But then, like two weeks later, they have him on the news. And they were like, you said that you didn't have troops in the Ukraine. And he's like, what are you talking about? Of course we had troops in the Ukraine. Why would I not have troops and that's ridiculous. Why would you say that? And you're like, but we have video. It's like right here. You're denying it. And he just, you know, dismissed it and moved on. And that's kind of that same technique you kind of were getting from Trump, where he'd come out and say things. And then what are you talking about? Right. Well, I think one of the things that uh, that Putin has going for him is that, um, is that you know, people that, that disagree with him usually end up dead. Um, you know, they kill uh, that guy Navalny, uh, you know, and it, you could give example after example after example of people that ran against Putin or pe- people that questioned Putin or, you know, that just ended up dead. They doctors fall out of fucking windows all the time. Like, I don't know what the situation is with high rises and windows in Russia, but they can't be safe. Yeah, they need better locks on the windows, right? As you wouldn't even think it's that hot of a climate that you'd have the windows open all the time that people would just be getting sucked out, right? Right, right. I I don't. Yeah, now they they poisoned uh, Navalny, right? Do you yep. remember that? That was uh, those were the that uranium, was, uh, uh, maybe about pills six or whatever, you know, some kind of. Yeah, well, they lined his his underwear, the band of his underwear, with who it. hasn't seen that so play? Yeah, brilliant. Really, that right? sounds like the takeaway uh, here is don't wear underwear. Yeah, I mean, I, I ever since then I've stopped. I, I, I'm commando every day now. I don't trust it. I shouldn't. Now that I've said it on on the podcast, though, now I got to start watching out for my socks. Shit. But uh, it didn't work, unfortunately. But they arrested him for uh, for for um, breaking the rules of his his probation. Because he didn't come back and check in because he was in the hospital for three months because months they poisoned him. So now he's in prison. And I think they would have been better off if they had killed him. Right. People wouldn't be talking about him anymore. Kevin, you got to follow the rules. You have a commitment to society to follow the rules. That's true. If you can't follow the rules, you don't get to play. Mm-hmm. And that's how the world works. I can't help the way it's set up. You need to follow the rules. Yeah. Um, the idea both of them have set up a no one is trusted and there is no truth kind of mindset. But the reality is lying shapes public opinion. Right. Um, when you come out and say these things, it affects the way people, you know, see things. And, you know, the loyalty that Trump had developed in his followers really had a big effect, you know, on on him being able to carry it out. You know, if he didn't have a loyal fan base, if it was Jeb mm-hmm. Bush, you know, everyone would just be like, oh, you're a liar. And it would call, you know, fall right. flat. But when you're out there with the charisma and, you know, kind of building up something, 
you know, posing like Putin all shirtless on a horse, then you can kind of yeah, create and I, something. I just want to say, before we move on from the Putin thing, uh, that reporter, Rachel Scott, that asked Putin why all his uh, opponents end, were ending up uh, dead or in prison, and why was he so afraid of, of letting a vote just happen naturally? Um, I am, because I'm sure she's done for. He's going to kill that bitch. Right. Shouldn't, shouldn't ask him that question. Like, yeah. Good uh, luck, Rachel Scott. Good luck. Yeah, what are you, crazy? But the thing is, some some people have some people have the moral courage and fortitude to stand up for what's right. But, you know, society right. doesn't appreciate them. Everyone, look at Snowden, right? Edward Snowden came out and right. was like, and he hey, was look, as a all this is going on. He was painted Here's as some truth. sort of anti-patriotic no ass- asshole. When and the truth oh, is, he was exposing things that the, the United States government did yep. to its citizens. The United States isn't made up of was doing to its citizens, right. It was doing it to its citizens and then outright denying it, though. That was the thing. I mean, it's one thing to, you know, have secret things, but, you know, Congress and stuff is having hearings, and they're like, no, we're not doing any of that. Never happened. It's like, well, yeah, we are. You're lying to the American people, and it violates our laws. Mm-hmm. And I understand we need secrets. Right. But these secrets violated our laws. Right. And we have those laws to protect U.S. citizens. And by violating the laws, you're not U.S. citizens. That was one of the, I think, one of the biggest fucking, one of the biggest mind fucks that the U.S. government ever pulled was to make Snowden a villain. Right. Right. No, it's brutal. Um, You know, it doesn't make any sense. But the thing is, it was a big win, I think for our government when Snowden went down. And I mean, for political figures, I don't mean for America. It was not a win for America. It was a loss for America. But it made it clear to the government that the American people kind of want the, just let's go along and pretend everything's nice and and we're not gonna, you know, deal with big, crazy, you know, corruption, whatever. We're just going to pretend everything's, you know, normal. We proved that we'll go along with that normalcy bias of everything's okay. Let's just look the other way. You know, they always talk about with Nazi Germany, um, you know, they talk about the people in church. Oh, we'll just sing a little louder when the trains go by. So that way uh, we don't have to kind of acknowledge it. But they ran that big campaign, you know, we all had, when I was in school, it was a long time ago, but they would talk about never again, you know, and they always used to, that was the slogan tied with, uh, with that was never again. We would never as a society just ignore that kind of thing going on and, and let it go. But we do it right now. We're letting it go on right now. You know, there is mass genocide of Christians all throughout the Middle East. And we just ignore it. We're like, whatever. But even closer to home, things that, you know, you're like, well, I can't spread my my efforts into the entire world. It's too much. It's beyond me. I get that. I understand. You want to affect things you can actually change. And worrying about something a million miles away, all right, I can't do that. But what about all the child abductions and things that we ignore in the United States you know, all the trafficking and stuff that goes across the border. And I don't mean people who want to 
you know, come to America, coming across the border because they want to come and work here. I'm talking about people being trafficked into the sex trade and things like that, where they don't have a choice and they're going against their will. And we just let those things go and turn a blind eye because we're like, well, yeah, but, you know, I, I, I don't know about that. And it just, it never makes the news story. It never, you know, nobody cares about that kind of thing, you know, but the, the people it happens to are trying to, you know, scream from the rooftops and nobody cares. Right. You know, they made the last Rambo about it. You know, he tried. I'll give him, throw Stallone some props on that, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. Because nobody brings it to the, the attention. And my point is, you don't need to care about my issue or whatever. We're just saying, be aware of not just going along with what they want you to believe, what they want you to think is acceptable and normal. And hey, you know, this is good. Make sure you know for yourself. You know, you think you can't be manipulated, that our schools aren't manipulating our children. And I'm crazy and wacky for saying that. But how many kids now don't know what sex they are, right? Right. We're getting all this stuff coming up. They're all confused. Five-year-olds are crying. And I don't know if I'm a boy or a girl in this ridiculous nonsense. But we didn't have that 10 years ago. Right. Why? Why Did you think we were coming to that? No, you didn't see it coming because it's that slow change. And now they're working vigorously, you know, through TV, the media, you know, all the different things. And it changes the social contract. And, you know, and whatever. I mean, you know, you be what you want to be. But as much as I let that go, like that was one of the things was a lot of people when they were raising their kids, they said, well, you know, they're really taking away the morals from our children in school. But it doesn't matter because I'm going to teach my kids morals at home. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. But the more we let that go, it ended up building and building until, you know, it became some giant monster where there is no semblance of morality, you know, with, with the kids now in schools. And I'm talking about the masses, you know, the whole, right. Um, you know, the average, that curve, that needle, that line has been shifted and we can't get that back because we let things slip mm-hmm. and you have to constantly be a beacon for what you believe in. Right. You don't need to believe what I believe. But you need to defend what you think is right and and be on top of that and just be careful about who's manipulating you, who's shifting the agenda. Look at where it's going. You know, that's why, you know, people get so offended and and so outraged because it's, hey, doesn't everybody see this big shift going? Doesn't everybody see that we're being changed with who we fundamentally are? And it matters. But, you know, as a society, we need to decide the direction we want to go and not let a few individuals. Um, one of the things, you know, they always say with um, with uh, collectivism and, and socialism is, you know, they say, well, it's the individual isn't more important than the greater, greater good. But you got to remember the way they frame the argument is there's society and there's the individual. Well, the individual, I know who that is because that's me. I'm the individual. Kevin, you're the individual, right? But society, they want it to be this abstract greater good. But you know what? You know who's deciding the rules for society? It's individuals. 
That's right. It's the elected officials who are not necessarily representing the people. They aren't necessarily representing the values of everyone as a whole. They're representing the values of the people who gave them money. And you have individuals deciding what is right for society. So you're giving up you and your values for society that is really somebody else's values and somebody else deciding. It's not necessarily the whole and what's best. You know, our government hasn't proven to us that they know what is best for the whole because we've let them run things for forever and it's not working out. So just something to think about. Yeah, no, I always I always uh, hear a lot of talk about people standing up for minorities and minority rights, and that's all good. But you have to remember that the, the smallest minority out there is you. It's the individual. And if nobody's standing up for you, you need to take that in your own hands. If nobody's sticking up for you and your rights and your beliefs, then that's on you to do. Right. Um, just keep it in mind. And when the go- government thinks they can back you down by saying, well, remember, you mean nothing because we have F-15s and nuclear weapons. That's propaganda. They're trying to intimidate you. And I would say, look at the Viet Cong, right? Did they not stand up to the American government with nothing but, you know, machetes and Russian-made rifles? You know, yeah, exactly. Um, do you not... Did we not see the Afghan war and the Iraq war? All this, these people did not have nuclear weapons and F-15s. It's not what it takes to defeat a government. It takes will and drive. And I don't know that we're trying to destroy the government. We're trying to have the government represent the American people and the American values. Um, you know, maybe, you know, he could, he would argue if we're talking right now, well, I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to people who think they're just going to come in and, you know, I don't know, assault the Capitol with M16s, although they were pretty scared by unarmed people, uh, not that long ago is, is how I remember. Uh huh. But just the same. Yeah. I know a lot of people talk shit about, about a lot of stuff that's, that's going on in the last, uh, you know, the last two, three years and, you know, saying that this isn't America, this isn't acceptable, this isn't the way we behave. But the truth is, I remember when the uh, protests in Minneapolis, they burned down the police station. And I remember all sorts of stuff that happened where, you know, people think that they should be afraid of the government. I think that the government should be afraid of their people. And when I see government officials shitting their pants, that only makes me happy. That only makes me think we're doing the right shit. People in the government should be afraid of what you're going to do. How are you going to vote? How are you going to react? And maybe that would check their shitty behavior a little bit, you know, in the future. And it's psychological warfare when you go, that that wheel turns both ways, is all I'm saying. Right. And, you know, I know it worked in the Iraq war. If, if we can't win people over, just tell them you're going to have bananas. I, I heard that's a big thing to, you know, influence is people. Is that a thing? Yeah. Just, just say, look, come to the good, come to our side. You know, I know Darth Vader tried to win people over with cookies. I've seen a Mm t-shirt and apparently Mm -hmm. we're able to win over Iraqis with bananas because we're like, Hey, Mm -hmm. we just, we have so many bananas. We let them turn Brown and just throw them out. We don't even care. Right. Whatever. And obviously since you don't know who Bart Simpson is, we have 20 seasons of the Simpsons to catch you up on. We'll catch you up. So you've been missing out. That's right. That that might have something to 
do with the decline of American morality, but you know, we won't talk about it. Um, but anyway, so if you enjoyed this uh, podcast, hopefully uh, the audio holds up. We've been having some internet issues. I don't know, but uh, if you enjoyed this podcast and other episodes, um, leave us a review at iTunes and uh, you know, wherever you're downloading the podcast, Spotify or, you know, whatever works for you. I think we're on Amazon, you know, any of the, the great places. I think we're in audible, you know, who knows? Anyway, you can also support the show by checking out preppingbadass.com. We have uh, some cool gear you might be interested in. Also, uh, if you really love the show, you can uh, order some uh, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slant prepping badass. And yes, I know that some people are waiting for patches. Just yell at Kevin. Send him an email at preppingbadass at gmail.com. Kevin would love to hear about his procrastination efforts. Mm-hmm. And I think he needs to uh, send Todd some gas. And if, I think yeah. Todd sent an email that you missed. Yeah, I, and, do, I uh, do owe him a couple of uh, five-gallon containers full. So I'll have to get expedite that and get that moving. All right, so he's going to get some patches and some gas to Todd. If you do want to uh, contact us and and, uh, talk about any uh, episodes you might want to hear about, any topics um, or any critiques, uh, you can email us at preppingbadass.gmail.com. We do respond to the emails. Uh, We did have somebody um, send us an email recently that said we uh, we use the word fuck too often. don't fucking believe that we use the word fuck too many fucking times in a podcast, but it turns out they were talking about a different a different podcast. Yeah, she was angry. I, I think she was angry at somebody else, wasn't she? Yeah, it was she was like, Oh, wait, because I I, I kind of schooled her and uh and was like, um, you know, I don't know if you noticed the uh parental advisory sticker contains explicit language that box that was checked. Yeah. And, uh, you know, gave her some references she might want to uh, check out. And uh, she was like, oh, no, I I didn't mean you guys. I'm sorry. And I'm like, yeah, we don't fucking say shit like that. Yeah, we don't use the word fuck all the fucking time. Right? So we we straightened it out. We're all on good terms. We were both like, God bless. And, (laughs) you know, the whole thing. We, We were in. So, all right. So with that, stay safe. And we'll talk to you guys next week.
Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment. I'm Will Cooper, and you're listening to HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast on the Waypoint Podcast Network. Stick around as I bring you more stories and interviews from veteran hunters and industry professionals who inspire us all to be better equipped in the woods and in life. On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! Oh! Look at that Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. <laughs> 